Well, it's good to see everybody here today. I want to say a, a, a welcome again. Thank you again to our guest for being our guest. And if you're a first-time guest, we are privileged that you're here. Hopefully, uh, you'll stop by the Welcome Center, and we have a gift for you. We want to meet you if we haven't met you already. And uh, just to answer any questions you might have, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 13. Oh, there you go. So you get to see the back screen today. This is the back screen. Um, fun, fun times with technology. But uh, so the scripture should be up on the screen. But I, I just want to kind of keep uh, bring everybody up to speed. Uh, last week we saw verses one and two of chapter thirteen. And again, I, I love as we're getting into this chapter thirteen on missions. We are here in October, and, and in a couple of weeks we're going to have a missions emphasis week, and and uh, it's just always something. Uh, special. It's been weird, I'll be honest with you, just be frank with you, it's been weird the last couple years uh, with our mission trips and with um, mission uh, emphasis or, or, or mission conference. Uh, just odd and, and trying to seek and, and search out what God wants us to do and um, it's just been a different season and I know for our missionaries uh, it's been extremely difficult. I mean if, we, if pastors are having a difficult time trying to figure out uh, what direction we're going, Again, for our missionaries who are trying to either get on the field or, or get back to the field or do what God's called them to do, it's just a very difficult time and season. And so um, it's just a, I think it's, it's, it's very good, very encouraging, very important that as a church we're, we're going through the, the book of Acts and we happen to be here, chapter 13, uh, talking about this first missionary journey. But we, we saw last week that this first church era, and specifically this local church in Antioch, uh, they, were, they were faithfully serving the Lord. That's what we found them doing. They were faithfully serving the Lord. They were faithfully assembling. They were desperately praying and fasting to the Lord for God to move and to give them clear direction. And it was in this faithful desperation that the Holy Spirit spoke to them clearly. And that's one of the things that we were, were talking about last week is this directive that was given by the Spirit was very clear. And it was given to them to separate two men. And we saw two, two elders, two ministers, two uh, leaders of that first church for a specific work once again. And those two men who were named were Barnabas and Saul. And it's interesting that it was these two men yet again. And, and sometimes we, we get into the idea of, of well, uh, this, is, this is the reason why this is doing this, and this is the reason why this person is doing this, or this is why they're asked to do this, or this is why these people are asked to do the same things over and over and over. But uh, I, I want to share this morning, I think it, it may be something completely different than our own humanistic or selfish or um, even, even self-centered way of thinking and serving God at times. Uh, it, was, it was something very clear that we've seen in Scripture and we're going to see again. So let's pray and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you once again for this time as we've come to you already and asked for your hand of blessing. We, we, we know that there's nothing that can be said or done today uh, that will honor you, that is going to be done without your spirit, Lord, without your leading. So we, we pray that you would be honored in this place because your spirit is moving in this place. So through the, uh, the preaching of your word, Lord, we know that... Um, the, the technical problems or the things that we face are just small little things, God. I, I believe they're little distractions that the enemy can use to either keep someone today from being able to hear the gospel or to focus on your word or um, one of your people to be able to uh, clearly understand what you are trying to say and or all of us together. Lord, we pray that we would be able to set aside every distraction, set aside everything and now completely open ourselves up to your word, to your moving, to your spirit. 
and in our lives and in this place, God. We ask that if there is somebody here that's lost, that they're on their way um, to a place of hell or to a, 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 a place of destruction, place of punishment for all of eternity because they're living in their sin still. They're separated from you in that sin. And I pray that if, if there's someone like that or many people like that here today, that that would change. Today, they would turn away from that sin. They would turn to you in faith, trusting Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Lord, the work that was finished for man's redemption on the cross and, of course, the resurrection, um, giving hope and promise of eternal life. Lord, we know that uh, you are the only way. And so, again, if there's somebody here like that that doesn't know where they're going to spend eternity, that's separated from you, Lord, they'll turn today to you for salvation. Lord, we ask you to move now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, again, we've seen in, in our study so far leading up to chapter 13, but specifically here in, in the first couple of verses of chapter 13, these two men that are separated is um, looking back and what they've already been doing is they've been serving God faithfully already. Um, they're servants. They're, they're proven. And so it, it's not surprising that in this this desperate time of, of Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do from here? What do you, where do you want us to go from here? What do, you, what do you want us to accomplish for your kingdom, God? What, where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? Who are we supposed to send? In that desperate place of praying and fasting, it's not surprising that it is these two men. Again, notice those words that were used in association with them that, that's been clear in Scripture. They were faithful. They are servants. They are proven Time and time again, we've seen with Barnabas and Saul, they've been the ones that through their faithfulness, they've made themselves available and reliable to the Lord and, of course, to the leaders of the church at the time. And I'll say this, if, if you want to be a vessel of honor that the Bible talks about, if you want to be that instrument of righteousness that it speaks of, it really comes down to a choice. It comes down to a submission. It comes down to a surrender to God first and above all. He said, I, I want to be used. I, I want to be the one that, that God uses in a great way in his kingdom, not for my glory, but for his glory. If I'm going to be useful at all on this earth, in this temporal time that I have, if, if I'm going to be, I want to be, I want to be used. I don't want to just waste time. I don't want to spend my days and years in vain. I really want to be someone that brings honor to God. I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. And it starts with that submission to God first and above all. Romans chapter 6 verse 10 is what Paul was talking about being that instrument of righteousness. As I said, it boils down to a choice. It boils down to a submission. It boils down to a surrender. He says for death, for the death that he died, he, he died to sin once for all. Talking about Jesus. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. This is the freedom that we have in Christ, the liberty. Once we are in Christ, we have the choice. We've been freed from sin. We can make the choice on a daily basis to not let sin reign in our mortal body so that we obey the lust thereof. Don't let it, don't let it be that. You make the choice. You make the decision. And do not go on presenting your members. Don't yield your members. Don't submit your members of, the, of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but on a daily basis present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. And listen to what he says here, your members, your, your, your body parts, 
as instruments of righteousness to God. So on a daily basis, as a child of God, being released from the, the bondage of sin, we have the choice to submit to God, to surrender to God, to allow our bodies to be a true instrument of righteousness that brings glory to God. In Timothy, he would write to him, Paul, same, same man, would write to him and say, you therefore, my son, I'm going to read the whole chapter, so buckle up. <laughs> it's not a long chapter, but it says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, those things you, need to, you entrust to faithful men. Notice that word again, to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then he says this, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier who's in active service entangles himself with the affairs of everyday life. Why? So that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment. As a criminal, Paul said, I'm suffering hardship even as a criminal for Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the word of God is not in prison. I don't care how many, how many Christians you imprison. I don't care how many you put to death. The gospel of Jesus Christ will never be shackled. It'll never be imprisoned. For this reason, Paul says, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. It's a trustworthy statement for if we died with him, we, all, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, Paul told Timothy, and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, not to argue over different things that don't mean anything, which, use, which, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, Paul names names, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names in the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, in a large house, there are not only, uh, there's not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. And listen to the choice he tells to Timothy. Therefore, if anyone makes the decision to cleanse himself of these things, these earthly, worldly, sinful, wicked, empty chatter, worldly talk, all that kind of stuff, if anyone cleanses himself of all the sinful things, all the worldly things, all those things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful, to the master prepared for every good work. He'll be a vessel of honor, he said. He goes on to say, now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. If you go after these vain things that they're gonna, you're gonna argue, you're gonna fight. I think we've seen a lot of that in our world recently, but the bond servant must not be quarrelsome 
The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, when, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, and perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. A lot of things that Paul wrote to Timothy there, but that main, main section there, he says, you can be an instrument, you can be a vessel of honor. It's a decision, it's a choice that you can make on a daily basis. Also, the way that he uses you isn't always what you want him to use you to do. <laughs> Many times it's not. God, I would like to do this. I want to do that. Well, sometimes God uses us like that. There are many times that he has a different plan. What, what is, how, how, do, how does it come about? How do we get into the God's will? How do we become that vessel of honor? How do we be that? How, it's us, again, submitting our flesh, our desires, our plan, our will, all of that to the Lord. And we talked about that in prayer and fasting. You align with and you submit to the Lord in this desperate way. And I, I, don't, I don't believe it was for a lack of desperation or sincerity or devotion that the other three elders in this church weren't separated for the work that the Spirit had. I don't, I don't, the Bible says that they were together, they were praying, they were fasting, they were doing all the thing, things together, the unity that was there. And I don't think it was for anything lacking in those three that we know of. But I do believe it is what we see in these two men, Barnabas and Saul, evidence that they were proven and they were faithful submitted to and devoted to the Lord and to the leaders that God had ordained even in the church in Jerusalem. So let's look in our text in Acts chapter 13 verse 3. It continues on. So when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, Barnabas and Saul, and they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. I want you to notice again the order that followed. Fasting and prayer, laying on of hands, and sending away. The fasting and praying, the submission to, the desperation for the glorified head of the church, Jesus, to direct. That's what it was. Then the laying on of hands and sending them away. That was a response and responsibility in the faith of the leaders that Jesus installed. So it, it was, we are, we, are, we are in desperation, we are in unity. We are together calling on the Lord, saying, God, we need your direction. We're desperate for this direction. And then when the Holy Spirit gives direction, it's these leaders in response to the Holy Spirit's direction and their responsibility in the faith because it was Jesus who installed them. And it was Jesus who had commissioned them to carry this out. Notice also the unity in the Scripture here and in the, in the plural pronouns. Today, there's so many different things about pronouns, right? It's ridiculous. This is the leaders of the church being in unity and harmony and the Spirit of God moving clearly. They, it says. They. And it wasn't some ambiguous, some, you know, some skewed misinterpretation of, of what God has designed in, in genders. It was very clearly the church and the church leaders, they together, the use of that plural pronoun meant that they were in unity. They did this. They did that. We saw in chapter 6 that when they had resolved to issue, uh, to, to solve the issue of the widows 
being neglected in the first church, that they together ordained the first deacons for that specific work. And it's a recurring theme in the first church all throughout it. But the second point that we didn't get last week, it's our first point this morning is, is our only point is this, sincere unity is always a prerequisite for the Spirit's movement in and through the church. Sincere unity. You never, and I, that, that, that's very specific, very obvious, very clear in the church. But I want to say this, as, as believers, I don't believe that anything is going to happen that's truly of God, but the Spirit of God, even in the home, in your life, without unity of the Spirit, without unity among believers. And we've talked about this before. This is not unity at the cost of doctrine. This doctrine we know both unites and divides. This is the unity of the Spirit. You say, man, I, I just, I want our family to be, to be used by God. Then you're going to have to be in unity. I want, I want my ministry to be blessed. Then you're going to have to be in unity. I, I want our church, to, then we're going to have to be in unity. That's the, the design of God. How, how, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. We saw it in chapter 12 as the church prayed together. As I said, it happened the first time that Peter and John were released in chapter 4. They went back to the believers and they were in prayer together. The apostles were jailed and released in chapter 5. It happened all through the first part of Acts, chapters 1 through 6, over and over and over again, the believers being in unity. They were selling possessions. They were distributing to those who had need. They had fellowship. They had worship. They were preaching. They were witnessing. They were problem-solving. They were serving. They were praying and fasting all together. They were unified. We've talked about unity over and over and in this study, but unity, sincere unity, has to be the foundation on which the mighty work of the Holy Spirit is manifested. So I, I want to see God do something awesome. Then we have got to get together. And we have got to get together in what God has called us to do and be. And again, it starts, we see with these, these two men being called out and sent out, it starts with faithfulness. It starts with devotion and sincerity it starts with service it starts with with being proven not to prove to man but going through the trials going through the tests serving God faithfully so that you are that sanctified vessel meet for the master's use Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 I, I love this 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 chapter it says I therefore the prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. See, it's a choice again. It's a decision again that every believer submits to the Holy Spirit, yields to being who God has called us to be. Walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Listen to these words in verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How are we going to be unified we're going to allow the glue, the peace of God, to help us maintain the unity in the Spirit. And he explains how this happens. There's one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope 
that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And I want to make something clear here, right here. All of this oneness right here doesn't mean anything like, well, we just throw away doctrine. No, no, no. That right there, those verses right there speak to a very clear doctrine that it is God alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It is his way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. And so, no matter, there's, there's other denominations, there's other religions out there that say, oh, yeah, we're Christian. Oh, yeah, we believe the same thing. Oh, we just need to come together in harmony. We can't unless we're on the same page doctrinally. And that's what he's saying. This is, this is the one who is overall and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us. In, in the faith, in this one purpose, in this one church, under one God, under one faith, it was given to each of us grace. And it is according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave, and he gave gifts to men. And saying, he ascended, what does it mean? But, there, uh, but that he had also descended to the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and the teachers, the pastor teachers, to equip. This is why he gave these gifts of grace to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Your job as a child of God is not just to show up for church. It's good that you're here. It's vital for maintaining the unity of the Spirit. It's important that you're, you're faithful. It's important that you're, you're, you're plugged in. All those things. But you are to be not only here just to hear the same thing that we're all hearing together, but you are to be on a daily basis seeking the face of God, putting yourself under teachers, being connected in groups, being sharpened, iron sharpening iron. You are to be on a daily basis seeking God and being equipped. Why? For the building up the body of Christ. To what end? Until we all attain the unity of the faith. And the knowledge of the Son of God. Listen to these words. To mature manhood. To the measure. How, how mature is, is our church supposed to look like? What, how, are, how are you as an individual body part? How is you as an individual member? How are you as, as a family unit? How are you all supposed to grow? What is it supposed to look like? And what are we supposed to look like at the end of our growth? As we're, as we're growing up, as we see a little child growing up, I wonder what they're going to look like. I wonder how tall they're going to be. I wonder how, you know, what they're going to do. Our, our projection, our our goal as we're growing as individual members of families as a church is to grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We should look as a church more and more like the body of Christ the further we go in this life. So that we may no, no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine that comes along the social media or media path. By human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body is from Jesus Christ, the whole body joined and held together, listen to this, by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
See, when every single body part, when every single member is in its place, and not just showing up, but connected, just like our joints are connected, we have ligaments and tendons and muscles and skin and subcutaneous, you know, layers and and all all kinds of stuff that, that is connected, interconnected, outer connected. All of these things help make our bodies work so that we can actually do things on a daily basis. That's the way that the church is supposed to be working. I'm so thankful that I don't, I've I've used this before, I'm so thankful that I don't wake up some days and my arm's like, no, not today. (laughs) I'm just going to stay in bed. Good luck without me, (laughs) you know. Or my leg's like, I don't really feel like working. We know how that that goes sometimes, right? You get out of bed and your back's messed up. Oh, no, it's not going to be a good day, you know. When, When our body's not working properly, when each body part is not doing what it's supposed to do, how effective can we really be? I can still get a lot of work done, but we're not as effective as we could be or the way that our body is designed to be. We're not reaching our potential. And that's the same way, spiritually speaking, as a church. When we're not unified, when we're not working in every way that we're supposed to be working, unity is essential. It's essential. We will never do anything that brings glory to the head if we aren't that body that's working as we're supposed to be working, each body part. We'll never, that's what it said. That's how it's going to bring glory to the head. And so unity is essential. I put a few things about unity in your notes. Unity requires, number one, surrender of preference. So how, how are we going to get to where God wants us to get? Look, you could have thrown those five guys in there and said, hey, what do you think about this? Paul might have said, or Saul. Saul might have said, well, I think that we need to do it like this. Barnes says, well, I, I understand what you're saying there, Saul. Which we'll see this eventually, but I said, but I think that we should do it like this. Uh, and, 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 and maybe, you know, uh, Nigeria would have said, oh, I, I think that, I mean, you guys are passionate guys. You guys have been faithful, but I, I think we need to be cautious and do it like this. But they were in unity, and what that meant is that each one of them at this point in time had surrender, surrendered their preferences. Look, I come from the Pharisees. We're going to do it like this. They had to surrender their preferences. They had to surrender, of course, their flesh. And, and I, I think I, all of this goes with the flesh. But I was specifically thinking, according, and you look in Scripture, selfishness. You talk about the flesh, we, it, it's about us. Well, I'm just not feeling it. I just don't want to do this. I don't think this is, I would rather do this. Again, preferences, selfishness, surrender of pride. Can't they get somebody else to do that? Surrender of will. If we're going to be unified, we've got to surrender our pride. We've got to surrender our own will. Right? Jesus gave that perfect example, talked about it last week. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Surrender of will, surrender uh, of pride, surrender of will, and submission to leaders. All throughout Scripture, Jesus tried to teach them that when he was walking with them. He exemplified that as as God in the flesh, the Son of God, yielding himself to the authority of God the Father. Just, he he was God, but he he positioned positioned himself, I believe, primarily to be that example, to show us what it looks like to live our lives under the authority of Almighty God. He said, nevertheless, not my will. He didn't diminish his divinity at all. He didn't diminish his, 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 his place as God at all. It gave us a perfect example of what it looks like to submit to the leaders that God sets up. And, of course, that's all throughout the New Testament as well. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Hebrews 13, verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning because that would be of no advantage to you, he says. Again, each person has a responsibility to say, you know what, this is what God has set up. This is what I'm yielded to. We know there are those who might criticize the church because they don't see or they don't feel the Spirit of God moving in the church. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, that's me. I just, I just don't see the Spirit of God moving in this place. I don't, I, don't, I don't feel the Spirit moving in this place. I'm going to suggest this morning If that's how you feel, if that's you, then maybe it's you. Maybe it is you. It might be me, but maybe it's you. See, this first church was unified. They weren't, they weren't saying, well, you know, uh, I just don't feel it. No, they were pressing into God together. They were fasting and praying. They were in it together, just like Paul told Timothy. There's no soldier that goes to war that entangles himself with other things when there's a more important mission at hand. And we're never going to see the full potential of what God wants to do in this church and through this church unless we're all unified, passionately engaged, passionately pursuing the Lord and being all in. I'll put this in your notes as well. When we become critics, we're no longer con contributors. When we become critics, we're no longer contributors. I've been on teams, failing teams, teams that failed because teammates were criticizing one another. Instead of focusing on contributing, they were focusing on what they could criticize. Unfortunately, there's pastors all across this land, all across the world, that can get earfuls from people who only criticize and don't, don't contribute. Or maybe contribute the way they want to, how they want to, when they want to. And I'm, when I talk about contributing, I'm talking about only financially contributing. I, I believe that there is an aspect of that seen in Scripture, but it's not just that. It mainly has to do with spiritual servanthood. Another thing I put in there, it's hard to criticize what you are sincerely connected to and contributing to. So you can become a critic and you're no longer a contributor. And I believe there are people that show up to church services every week that are critics and not contributors. But the truth is this, when you are sincerely, sincerely connected to, when you are invested and it means something to you and you are contributing to it from the very bottom of your heart, it matters to you, it's hard to criticize that. Why? Because you're fully invested. I mean, you can get emotional in that when it, when, whenever there's failure and the, the ball's fumbled, but... It's hard to do it. It's hard to criticize when you're fully connected and contributed to it. It's easier 
to be an armchair quarterback than it is to actually be on the team, though, isn't it? Right? Some, some people were watching football yesterday. Some people are going to watch it today. And we are experts in the chair, right? None of us are on the field. None of us actually have the ball in our hand. So, yeah, back in the day, okay, Uncle Rico, listen. <laughs> You're no longer on the field anymore. <laughs> Look, we have to be contributors. Again, when you're on the team, it matters. Why? Because you're bleeding, you're sweating, you're crying, you're sacrificing, you're warring together. Again, that's what Tim, uh, Paul told Timothy. No man that, 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 that it goes to war entangles himself. That's, we're all on that same pace together. And we know that when a teammate becomes a critic, then division and destruction is imminent. So maybe you're here this morning at one point in time and you're church membership, you were, you were all in. I mean, you were passionate, you were engaged, you were contributing. You, the, the team meant everything because the mission and the leader of the mission, Jesus Christ, meant everything. Somewhere along the way, someone burnt you, you got hurt, something changed, preferences changed, things changed, and you became a critic. It's vital that in every relationship that we have inside the church, outside the church, if you're in an adult connect group, in your group, if you're in a ministry, in your ministry, that you ask, is this friendship, is this group, is this ministry, are we all in together? And are the people that are influencing my life, are they facilitating, facilitating a greater spirit of unity? with the church and the church leaders? Or are they helping me form a more divided, more separated or critical spirit? Can you imagine Barnabas and Saul saying, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we just prayed and fasted, why us? Why, are y'all, why do you want us to go? Why do we have to leave the awesomeness of what's happening here in Antioch? Why do we, we see God moving? We want to be a part of this. Why do we have to go? They didn't because they had surrendered. They had surrendered their own idea of what surrendered looked like. They had surrendered their preferences. Notice also, they, even as leaders, surrendered to God's ordained authority of the church. It says that they laid hands on them. They were leaders. They laid hands on them and sent them away. See, man has messed it up. Man has made it about man. Well, that's just what the pastor wants. Well, that's just what the leaders want us to do. Man, even and especially leaders, have messed it up by asking and acting in unbiblical, harmful, and sinful ways. So, what's the responsibility of every church member then? You have to filter it. Is it biblical? Is what direction we're going is what asked of me is is what we're talking about is it unbiblical or is it harmful is it sinful or is it just I don't like it I would rather do it my way I would urge you remember the cross that was your way that was your cross and Jesus died on it for you and if you accepted that, 
then you surrendered your way to him. And by accepting him and his way, that included his church and the leaders he sets up in his church. And if a leader isn't asking something that's unbiblical or something that's sinful or something that is harmful, then you should follow the God-ordained leaders just as Barnabas and Saul are doing here because it's given by God. As I close, one day he'll come back and we're going to have to give an account. And I want to encourage you, let's make sure that we're found doing it God's way, not our way. Let's make sure that we don't continue to make some pseudo-spiritual environment here at this place. Just something that has the show of spiritual, but not truly spiritual. Let's follow biblical precedent. Let's make sure that we're doing it God's way. Let's not stand in the way by being a critic. If you're here this morning and you find yourself being a critic of me or the elders or the leadership or something about the church, I want to encourage you, hit this altar this morning. Stop being a critic and get back to being a contributor. Get back to being a part of a team. Get back to helping us get the mission accomplished with all sincerity. Let's make sure that we're in unity. Let's practice the things that God has given us, the examples before us like prayer and fasting, being together, being all in. Because I'm telling you this morning, the end is coming soon. Now, are you ready? Are you ready when he returns to be found that faithful servant so doing? Are you ready to be found that servant who is invested and in investing and contributing? Will the Lord come back and find you as an armchair quarterback criticizing the team? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for the challenge and the conviction that you give me in your word and, and even with this message, Lord. It's so important that every single one of us in this church, as a member of this church, that we are contributing, Lord, that we are unified, that we're more interested and invested in the eternal than we are in anything in this world. Lord, help us understand the, the urgency of the time that we live in. Lord, help us understand the, not only the urgency, Lord, but the great honor and privilege it is to be your children in this season, at this time. Lord, so much... Uh, in the world around us is raging with, with fear and confusion and division. And we have you, Lord. We have your, your spirit to keep us unified, to keep us glued together in the peace that only comes from you. Lord, help us to, to lean in. Help us to press in. Help us to be a, a church, a body that is connected and is running and is healthy and is strong because each part is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Lord, that we're all on the same page all in effort to bring glory to you, the head of the church. And we ask you just to move now and accomplish what you want to accomplish as we respond to this this morning. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings.